This is the Lotox Life Podcast. If all the birds could fly right now, as high as me somehow, they could see all the things I've been dreaming of. These wings of mine flutter inside, they shimmy and they glide, breaking forth, crack the shell from this clockwork light. Hello and welcome to the Lotox Life Podcast. I'm Alex Stewart, your host, and today is show 266. It is the final podcast of the year. I want to thank you all for listening, for tuning in from over 100 countries all around the world. Uh, It has been an absolute pleasure to bring you 52 incredible minds across all sorts of different food, body, home, mind, planet low-tox topics uh, this year, and I have uh, a lot in store for us next year. We're not changing things a bit, but we're going to do a little bit more of hearing from you guys, real low-tox stories, uh, and um, bringing in some very specific how-to helpful uh, content on the podcast next year. Um, bringing real stories to life. So there will still be the incredible experts from around the globe as always. And I'm going to be mixing it up once a month with uh, something a little different. So I'm very much looking forward to next year, uh, which I can't believe is going to be the, oh, hold on, 2016, 17, 18, 19, 20, 21. It's going to be the seventh year of the show. How crazy is that? Wow. Uh, Thank you for everyone who has left a review on Stitcher, iTunes, wherever you can leave a review of the podcast. I can't tell you how much I appreciate that because it helps other people get to know and trust the show, uh, as well as people who um, leave comments or share it on social media or think, gosh, this show has really helped me gain clarity on a situation or helped me with some tough decisions around my health or helped me have a difficult conversation with a family member I disagree with, whatever it is, when you share those on social media and I share them across so that people see your amazing comments, uh, they are honestly something I appreciate and love seeing every single time because it's not lonely producing a podcast, but you are here with the guest and all of you guys are out there. I don't know that you've listened. I don't know that you've enjoyed it. I see metrics, but I'm, metrics are just so beige, you know, yay, 2 million downloads. Um, that's huge, of course. And that obviously tells us that people enjoy at least some of the shows. Uh, but just hearing from you guys directly means the world. It's my favorite present that I get uh, all the time. So I really, really appreciate you. And uh, if you've ever got any ideas or a guest that you would absolutely love to hear from, don't be afraid to just pop us an email, team at lowtoxlife.com. Always happy to hear from you and see what you'd like in the future. Uh, telepathy is something I like to think I have a little of and, and checking the temperature, but every now and then, uh, you know, someone sends me someone who is gold and I absolutely love finding those discoveries from you guys as well. 
So the last show of the year, what a year, hey? Um, Everyone has a personal story about these times that we're living in. And a lot of people, even in our own community at Low Tox Life, uh, don't see things the same way. And that can be exhausting in and of itself, let alone uh, all of the personal impacts of living through uh, a time like this. Uh, So I really just want to send a message of love, kindness, and compassion to every single person listening today. I don't care whether you got vaccinated, whether you didn't get vaccinated, whether you believe in mandates, whether you don't believe in mandates, whether you're terrified, whether you're um, guns blazing. Like I genuinely just care for everyone's well-being in this situation. Uh, and, um, you guys know me, I am never one to park my seat, uh, park my chair in any one particular camp on any subject, because I genuinely believe there is gray area in everything. Uh, and, uh, I have found a sense of peace myself during these times, uh, in just simply working out what the best choice for us as individuals is uh, surrounding ourselves with support from others who see things the same way, but also challenging myself uh, to continually engage in different content and voices uh, and scrutinize and observe and be curious about all sorts of different things uh, during these sorts of times, because that has helped me then realize nothing uh, no one really has it all figured out. Uh, and, uh, and for me, there's something beautiful in letting go about trying to find definites and absolutes and, and trying to move through, uh, with kindness regardless. Uh, and I know not everybody shares my view on that and that's completely fine. Um, I think, you know, something we're talking about in today's show with Pippa Baker, who is a mental health first aid, uh, teacher, educator, administrator. Um, she has helped thousands of groups of people, uh, have tough conversations, move through difficult emotions and gives us the practical tools to do that. And I think when I was thinking about what I wanted as the final show of the year, I just wanted a really, um, healing show, a show that reminds us that things are tough and that it's hard to disagree with people and, uh, and that it's also okay and how we can move through the holiday season, um, a little more confident that we have agency and control, uh, despite some of the things that might come up. Um, and Pippa's one of my oldest friends as well. We met in year four uh, at school and we went through the whole of school together. Uh, and we studied in different spots and did different things in our twenties, but we, uh, just, she's one of those friends where it doesn't matter where you've been or how long you haven't seen each other for. You just pick up right where you left off and you're having a laugh and a three hour conversation, uh, you know, about all sorts of things, um, the next time you see each other. I know we've all got a friend like that. If if we're lucky, we've got more than one or two. Um, But uh, yeah, I think being able to bring her magic to you guys uh, and have this conversation as a final end of year conversation where there is space for everybody who thinks differently uh, in, in, in every shade, whether it be any of the major issues of our time. I think this conversation for me was kind of like that beautiful middle of a Venn diagram and just really thinking about where we overlap and how we can uh, protect our energy and um, have healthy boundaries 
as well as also allowing others to voice concerns, opinions, and and share how they're feeling about different things, even if it's different to us. Uh, I think the world will be much better for it if we can all um, put our big adult pants on and do more of that in the coming year. I, I um, through sheer exhaustion of having to move house um, five times in this calendar year, uh, f- sorry, four this calendar year, three last, uh, I have um, protected my energy by staying way the hell away from the crazy fighting happening on social media. Uh, it just hasn't felt like a place that I have um, uh, mentally been able to uh, engage with or wanted to engage with. And I know there are a few people out there who feel that way as well. Uh, and really, you know, if I've, I came to the decision in myself that if other people were upset that I wasn't saying more, um, that's, uh, that, that's on them. I really had to look after me and my little fam. Um, we went through a lot this last couple of years with crazy amounts of house moves and destabilization and, and, um, and, you know, we have to all give permission to each other and space to each other to move through times as we see is going to be best for us. I think that's part of learning about the fact that we live in worlds with lots of different people who see things lots of different ways. Uh, and many powers that be will try desperately to keep us apart and in very separate camps. Uh, and uh, I, I like to go around the bonfire with everybody. That's where I like to be. Um, and my favourite conversations have been with very grey area-minded close friends. Uh, that's, um, that's helped me move, move through this time. So I acknowledge that this has not been easy, whether you've had difficult personal things, whether you've, you know, I lost one of my businesses twice having being a hospitality consultant in my other work. Um, and that was definitely not easy over this last couple of years. And boy, when I've talked to people, have there been some really tough stories, people losing the family restaurant or, you know, considering whether or not they have to close their hair salon permanently, um, losing jobs, uh, having difficulty making ends meet, you know, it's just been tough. Uh, Homeschooling small children, my goodness, that has been one of the biggest stresses. Managing teens uh, and helping teens finish school during these times. I mean, (laughs) we could talk forever about how tough it's been, uh, but also a time to um, really think about what's important to us as individuals uh, and as a collective and, uh, and I think today's conversation is really going to be a wonderful way to uh, hone in on those things. And we actually start by talking about holidays and uh, how to move through different emotions when there's the intensity of seeing a lot of people, sometimes a lot of people you might not naturally catch up with or get on with, uh, and how to um, use some tools around uh, not only um getting through the holidays, but actually thriving through it. You know, that is the goal. We want to have time to recover and rest as well as um, navigate all the different things that need to be done. Um, But we also end up talking about parenthood a little bit and um, Pip shares some gold about um, uh, managing uh, the resilience piece in raising children today um, and and how, um, how we can sometimes through our best intentions, unfortunately, uh, disempower our kids by doing too much for them or 
thinking we have to solve all their problems. And I, I took a lot out of that. I thought it was really, really useful. So it was two big topics that we kind of ended up stringing together and then bringing right back to uh, uh, the beginning. And I know you guys are going to enjoy it. So this is the last show, last show for December as well. So I just want to run you through the three beautiful brands that have supplied some fantastic offers for you. If these might be things that you need or have been interested in or looking at, uh, number one is the Coolzy. So Coolzy is C O O L Z Y. Uh, is a revolutionized portable air conditioner. Coolsy is all about cooling people, not cooling buildings. And uh, it's an incredible invention. I had the inventor on the podcast just three, four weeks ago, Professor James Trevelyan, worth a listen for sure. About 30 minutes into the podcast, we speak specifically about Coolsy if you want to cut to the chase. Uh, but it saves you 75% on air conditioning costs, the standard air conditioning costs of, say, a reverse cycle or a ducted um, situation quiet, that's good. So energy efficient, which is huge for the environment, um, as air conditioning is one of the biggest heaters of the planet, as we talked about on the show with James. So obviously a massive disconnect there. We're using something to cool ourselves down on a warming planet, which is actually warming our planet even more. It's portable, it's light, it's only 17 kilos, uh, um, a great solution for home office as well, smaller bedrooms. Um, you even have the tent that you can put over your bed uh, to really bring the temperature down, especially if you live somewhere really cool, really hot or quite sticky and humid in the summer months. The tent might be a great option for the, the couple of months that it's really unbearable. And your offer is 50% off the tent with any Coolsy purchase, um, free shipping across Australia as well, and your code is LOWTOX. So check out the Coolsy website. I've got everything on the show notes um, for you to check them out. It's a really amazing product, and I have just started using it. It wasn't particularly cold. Um, it wasn't particularly hot. It was actually really cold here in Sydney. I was like, I want to try it. I want to try it, but I don't need it yet. Um, and we've only just started using it on a couple of nights um, as this airs. I'm sure once um, late January and February hit, it'll be on every night. But it is uh, a fantastic unit. It, it, a coolzy.com, so C-O-O-L-Z y.com. And, uh, I urge you to check it out and try it. If you've been thinking, oh, I really need to get in a reverse cycle air conditioning unit from our bedroom. We're so hot. You don't need to cool the whole room and the built-in cupboards. You just need to cool yourselves in the bed. Uh, I love, um, James's reason for inventing this, his experience visiting his wife's home country in Pakistan. Uh, such a great story, such a great invention. So please do check it out. And, um, I think it's an incredible tool for all of us to not heat the planet more by wanting to cool ourselves down. Uh, I'm, I'm very, very grateful for the invention. Uh, next up is Walida, reminding you you have 20% off all Walida products and a free skin food of 75 mils with your orders if they're over $100. Uh, and you also get free shipping over $50 and free express shipping over $99. 
all throughout December, Walida is planting a tree with tree sisters uh, for every order in December. And this is valued, val- valid through to the 31st of December for all Aussies. Code is Walida December, all one word, 20% off. So that's huge. If this is one of the brands that you love and you have a few Walida products in the mix, it is time to uh, stock up. So next we have Oz Climate, the last offer. I know a lot of you guys made the most of this over the last couple of times that they've sponsored the show, but it is a big ticket item. And so people sometimes need to save up for a few months and that's great. Now is your chance to try and uh, try this beautiful brand again. Australian made, uh, Oz Climate is a fantastic company that provides Winix air purifiers and incredible dehumidifiers. So if you live somewhere near agricultural land uh, at risk of bushfire uh, or in cities that get enveloped by bushfire smoke, and that's a potential, or in cities where you have a lot of cars around your neighborhood uh, and a high pollution index, or if you have things like mold, if you have pets, if you have a lot of dust because there's a building site down the road, whatever it might be, an air purifier really is an incredible way to control the quality of your indoor air, which is where we are exposed to the most amount of toxins, funnily enough. A lot of people think it's outside. It's actually inside. Uh, And then of course, dehumidifiers, one of my favorite appliances in the world. Everybody knows I'm a huge fan of these because it helps you keep your indoor air spaces under 60% humidity, which inhibits the mold of the growth of mold. So if you live somewhere and you can just pick up a hygrometer or you can just check it out on an app, what the ambient humidity is in the air, where you live, and it's regularly above 70%, then you definitely need to invest in a dehumidifier. And, you know, you can move them through the house. Ozclimate's fantastic. You can give them a buzz and actually tell them different um, meters square, square meterages of different rooms and what you might actually need. Um, we have a little one that we move through the bathroom and the laundry. Then we have a bigger one that we actually oscillate between the two bedrooms and the living space. So, um, this helps us keep everything dry and crisp. Nothing ever feels damp when you've got a good dehumidifier in your house. And, uh, and I highly recommend it. Another thing to watch out for is if you actually see regularly condensation on your windows, then running a dehumidifier for a couple of hours in the morning and really just drying out the space uh, before you open everything up can be a fantastic way to also avoid mold growth. I'm a huge fan of Oz Climate. Uh, I absolutely love the brand. Uh, Lotox Life is your code for getting 10% off enjoy. Uh, if you want the website, it's ozclimate.com.au. That's all I have to spruik. Oh, well, I guess I should spruik my new book, Low Tox Life Food. Thank you to those who've left reviews and uh, shared um, how you've been enjoying the book. Uh, thank you to those of you who've thought to gift it for Christmas. I um, can direct you to Big W, Target and Kmart who have it for a crazy $24, which is nuts. Uh, but if you can afford a little more, of course, your independent local bookshop is a wonderful place to get it as well. And then you're supporting a small business. Uh, voila. 
Um, I am now going to hook into this conversation with Pip. I know you guys are going to love it as much as I enjoyed having it, not just because she's a dear old friend, uh, but she is just so knowledgeable in the mental health first aid space. You might remember I had her on the show about 18 months ago as well, and uh, she is just always so full of golden nuggets, advice, but just a wonderful realness that uh, she's not a perfect human, perfect mental health guru uh, that nothing ever goes wrong for. She's very much approaching it as a busy parent with three teenage kids and uh, running a business, so uh, very, very real as well. I hope you enjoy, guys. Hello, Pippa. How are you? I'm so well. It's so lovely to see your beautiful face, Alex. I it's know. Very exciting. Other people can't see our beautiful faces, of course, because <laughs> this is audio, but that doesn't matter. <laughs> uh, last show of the year. And for me, this is a topic that I feel is especially pertinent right now when a lot of people have friction in their families about differences of opinion, what we're all going through, but a lot of other differences of opinion are bubbling up around education systems, climate change, there's a whole bunch of topics, not just pandemic. And never mind the fact that the average Christmas function with lots of family members that you don't see all the time can sometimes be quite stressful from the planning and execution perspective, then putting different personalities around a table. Oh my God, I can't believe I have to sit next to Uncle Jerry. You know, all that kind of stuff. It can and bring- Uncle Jerry hasn't been vaccinated. <laughs> and, uh, and Auntie Sheila has, and I can't believe she did that because, you know, all this kind of stuff. Yep. Um, there's a lot of tension in the air. And you being the mental health guru that you are, I feel like you can give us some tools to honour our own energy, own opinions, own thoughts, own everything, but also others and, and how we can practically actually go about uh, not just surviving the holiday season but actually enjoying it from... And a flourishing ideal. Flourishing, yeah, that's the ideal, right? We don't want to come yeah. out the end and go, oh, my God, it's over, thank yes, God. absolutely. Um, yeah, we want to go, gosh, that was nice or that was a bit, you know, funky and have chats about things and, and reflect rather than recover. Absolutely. And that's, that's the biggest um, thing I wanted to bring to today's conversation was being real with yourself as well, that how did that go? And if you were in the unlucky position of not having it going very well, which let's face it can be common, is acknowledging that. Um, and unpacking why do you think it didn't go well for you? Why did that make you feel the way it made you feel? And let, then letting that emotion go rather than numbing it, which a lot of people do, particularly in Australia, with drugs or alcohol uh, because they don't like these negative emotions and they feel very uncomfortable acknowledging those negative emotions and, as a result, numb them with substances. Um, and at this time of year, particularly, it is bordering on permissive to be imbibing with, particularly with alcohol. Uh, and just to be aware of, if you are finding yourself in that overwhelmed state, to be really, really aware that drugs and alcohol will exacerbate the emotions that you're already feeling. And by that, I mean, if you are already feeling anxious, if you're already feeling sad, if this is a difficult time of year, which it is for a lot of people, when we imbibe with alcohol and drugs, we will feel worse. 
And so we just need to be aware of that connection. Yes, at the time you feel much better. It is a momentary feeling better and then we crash. And so we need to be really aware that if we are feeling a two out of 10, thinking about things that we enjoy doing and focusing on those more. So, okay, I'm feeling really low today. What can I do to make myself feel better? I'm going to ring somebody, a friend of mine that makes me laugh. I'm going to go for a walk. I'm going to do some exercise. I'm going to focus on a task that I've been putting off to give myself a sense that I've done something, I've accomplished something today, rather than numbing ourselves, pushing emotions down and trying to pretend they don't exist because Mm. they do and they're just and they're real and they're justified. We all experience negative emotions from time to time. The only trouble comes is when we try and push them down and ignore them. Mm. And I loved, um, sorry, your mid Not at all. No, 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 no. go, I'll go. I, I loved uh, when I had Dr. Joan Rosenberg on the show a couple of years ago, the psychologist who wrote the book 90 Seconds to the Life You Love. And it's yeah. a very catchy title for what is actually an extremely practical psychological uh, approach to the fact that a ni- that a negative emotion physiologically lasts in your body for about 90 seconds. So, um, yes, imagine numbing that with a massive piece of cake or an entire block of chocolate or um, two glasses of wine or some drugs um, and all of the ramifications of those negatively impacting you much more, yes. <laughs> much longer than 90 seconds. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. And that's what I love to remind people of is we are the product of our choices, all of us, you know, and so we can choose um, to surrender and to feel powerless or we can focus on what we can control. And that is not expecting Auntie Mavis to be on board with climate change when you know she's a climate change denier. It's... (laughs) It's, it's, I can't control her thoughts. I can't control her beliefs. I can't control how I react to Auntie Mavis. And that's the only thing that I can control. And so focusing on that, and, and as we were talking about before, is being armed with expectations of how this day might unfold can be very helpful. When we know who is going to be in the room and having expectations that, I am going to embrace everybody's different beliefs. I am going to embrace everybody coming at this from a different point of view. And we're going to have conversations about it where everybody is allowed to express what they think and then have a little bit of a reasoning behind why they believe that. If this is something that is helpful, then do that rather than it it, it descending into you're wrong and I'll tell you why you're wrong. Um, it can feel very condescending. Wow, it and... feels like you've summed up social media for the last two years. <laughs> yeah. You're wrong and I'll tell you why you think you're wrong. From all sides, you know, we see it yes. everywhere and it's not helpful. No, hmm. we all need to be able to come together and express our point of view without fear of judgment. And I mm. think that's the big thing. We are enti- we are individuals. Yes. We are entitled to have our thoughts and not be dissed for them. 
you know, um, and to find some compassion for people. Some people have had a very bad COVID experience. Some people have had an okay one and some people have flourished. Admittedly, there's not a large group in the latter, but we have had a very different experience. Yes, their names are Bill, Jeff. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and <laughs> sorry yeah, I had no, to. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah well amazon's flourished um certainly online shopping's flourished um i my business has been impacted very negatively um my children though have been home which has been fantastic there's pros and cons for all of it and when we focus too long on the things that aren't good that aren't going well that is a trip down anxiety lane and so we missed that and if you're doing it just be aware when we are our self-talk and our inner dialogue has a massive impact on our mental health and so if we are always thinking nothing I ever do works out what's the point it's too hard this is 22 is going to be just the same as 21 when we think that way for a long period of time, that will affect your feelings, your emotions, and that can then affect your behaviour. And that is the definition of what a mental health problem is, when our thoughts, emotions and behaviour changes. And so that negative talk, if we can be more in touch with ourselves, checking in with yourself a couple of times a day, how am I today out of 10 in my mood? And if you are thinking, I'm actually really low, I'm actually like a three, Being aware of that is actually where your control lies. You know, okay, so I'm a three. So what can I do to get myself up to a six or a seven today? And then we feel that sense of where we, which that dreadful word, resilience, that I know I'm going to have bad days, but I know how to improve my mood Um, because I have done this. I've practised it. It's just like exercise. When we use that muscle, regularly and build up our resilience regularly when things do go wrong that muscle's there to support us we can't expect ourselves to have resilience when we are telling ourselves that we're crap all the time pardon my language Um, and when we do that that does affect our ability to manage hard times and so we need to be vigilant about staying as much as we can in a space of gratitude And that doesn't mean that we think everything's skipping through tulips all the time. (laughs) What I'm saying is we all have difficult days. And some days I've had to dig deep with my gratitude. I literally had to, in about July, I think it was, my gratitude was every strawberry in the punnet was perfect. Nice. Yeah. That's all I had. It was a bad day. (laughs) It was a shocker. And... (laughs) I, you know, we, I laugh about it now, but it really did give me that sense of, I even had a laugh about it, you know, later that night going, okay, that day did not go well. I actually literally punnets of strawberries is all I had, you know, and you can laugh about it now, you know, and that's the thing is the biggest message is this will pass. Just like that marvelous book says, you know, even the worst day is a day, you know, and tomorrow will be better or the next week, or, you know, just that belief. So if we're struggling with that belief, is what you're saying the gratitude practice, the journey toward that belief? It can be. And let me put a big caveat in here. If we had been having that sense of overwhelm, that sense of sadness for longer than a couple of weeks, gratitude practice is not going to cut it. 
Gratitude practice is more a prevention strategy to uh, alleviate, just like eating right and exercising. Yeah, it kind of helps you come back to homeostasis. Precisely, precisely. So, you know, I would definitely recommend talking to somebody. The wonderful thing about COVID, this is one of the gratitude tank things that we put in, is we now do have telehealth. You now can speak to somebody and it's so much easier than making an appointment, particularly if you are anxious about going outside with COVID um, and talk to somebody quickly. The biggest message with mental illness is people do keep pushing on. And the analogy I use with blokes, because a lot of the training I do is with um, construction and mining, but I use the adage, if you fall over playing footy and you break your leg, You don't say to all your mates on the field, please don't ring an ambulance. That's so embarrassing. No one can know I have broken bones. Um, Just let's just Google um, a broken bone and we'll get some gaffer tape and we'll find a stick and we'll do it ourselves so that no one can know. And it's ridiculous, right? Because there's no stigma with breaking your leg. We all know what happens. You you might call an ambulance. You might just drive your mate to the hospital. You get a radiographer who knows what broken bones look like. He then confirms, yes, you have got a fracture. You then go and get a moon boot and you get your legs set and you get the crutches and you're told for how long to use all of that and then you go on your merry way. And that's exactly what psychologists and counsellors and psychiatrists do for your brain. Boom, mic drop. Um, you know, it's not that big a deal. But people, because of stigma... Because of that fear of being judged for being the, you know, inverted commas weak, they avoid that conversation for too long and now they actually have a problem. And so this is sometimes we can just offload with somebody, just say, this is really, really upsetting me, have a rant, offload, and often that's all you need. We don't all need to see a psychologist if we're having really overwhelming feelings, particularly at the moment we all are. Uh, but the, the key is to have that conversation. And um, that's my biggest frustration is people are fearful of being judged. And that very much comes back to that space of talking about kindness, particularly at the moment. Please practice kindness to everybody, no matter their points of view, no matter if they burnt the potatoes on Christmas Day, kindness sprinkle that stuff like glitter because mm. we have ev- evidence the science of well-being um, which I studied at Yale University in the first lockdown um, we actually have evidence that kindness practice in your own life will lift your own well-being by 40 percent oh a hundred percent and I can count on two fingers the times I've been unkind this year said something unkind and they stayed with me it was horrible it was so ugly I felt ugly in myself uh, I felt, um, yeah, it was it was just so incongruent with my values, uh, and I think it's because I have worked. I, I think I worked really hard on this in my early thirties around judgment, kindness, compassion, um, and really just tapped into my spirituality. I think a lot of people, when we become more spiritual, it just is a flow-on effect to be kind. Um, and I totally agree with you that if you practice it, it, it then lifts you up and you feel lighter in yourself for sure. Mm. And so if you are struggling, you know, another thing that I can recommend is volunteering, Mm. you know, you, if you're really anxious about your Christmas lunch, 
if you're saying oh, I'm volunteering at a shelter, there's very few people that would have a go with you about that. <laughs> yeah. If you really are yeah. getting yourself into a anxiety state with thinking about um, having to sit down for a long period um, with your family, because, uh, you know, a lot of families do have a toxic tendency, which you're not able to change. Um, that's that's one thing that, you know, I'm very aware of. Um, we're not all lucky enough to have big loving families. And so that's something that can ironically, not only are you putting yourself in a position where you're going to be filling your meaning tank, filling your gratitude tank, um, making yourself feel like you have a sense of purpose, that you um, feel good, you know, um, that's something that, you know, I would absolutely recommend to anybody, um, even if you are looking forward to Christmas, just doing a little bit of volunteering that morning to um, get some food for people that aren't as fortunate as you. Um, that can be very helpful uh, because we do have to remember that, you know, we all are going through stuff, uh, you know, and it doesn't help to say to somebody, well, you know, we could be living in a third world country, you know, the, your No, the reality is the reality. Yeah, yes, exactly. exactly. Mm. And that that's what we sort of call toxic positivity. Yes. Um, because it makes people feel judged. Mm. And when we make anyone feel judged, that's not kind. You know, we, we need to be changing that rhetoric around, you know, this is sound, sounds like you're really stressed. Tell me what that's like rather than I'll oh, just get over it. We've all got problems. I love that. It sounds like you're really stressed. Tell me what that's like. Tell me more about that. Yeah. Mm. Give them permission to talk about it. And that's the kindness space of trying to understand empathy. You know, I bang on about empathy so much, but empathy particularly when we're having conversations with people that we don't necessarily agree with, trying to understand their point of view. Empathy is different to sympathy. Sympathy can feel a lot like judgment again. Empathy yeah. is... It's closer to compassion, isn't it? Yes, mm. and, and I don't understand, so I need you to explain it. What I'm hearing is X, Y, and Z from what you're saying. Is that what you're meaning? And so it's really that it's it's like active listening on air, on steroids, mm. you know, because I am trying to understand you, yeah. even though I don't understand you right now. Mm. Um, and so I, that can yeah. feel better. Yeah, I think that is such great advice. And in a world where a lot of people disagree and a lot of um, extreme narratives, and by extreme I mean on both sides of any spectrum yes. of any topic, yeah. There are extreme narratives. Uh, I think really being compassionate towards, even say with a terrorist who yes. has been radicalised, Yeah, I find peace in realising just how awful things must have been for several decades or years of that person's life or, you know, politics in that region or lack of food and all the things that play into someone being vulnerable to being radicalised in any way. Um, it really speaks to the, the temperature of a situation in the world. Hopelessness. Hopelessness, and, exactly. Yeah. And um, if anyone knows the Gottman Institute on mm. this listening, uh, they have this marvellous um, diagram, which I can't show you because we're on. Um, <laughs> we can put it in the show notes. It's oh, well, we, okay. Yeah. It's called the anger iceberg. Uh-huh. And so the anger iceberg is something that can be very helpful, particularly when we're dealing with blokes. Uh, men do tend to use anger as the emotion 
that they exhibit because men have permission to exhibit anger. Uh, but underneath anger, which is the top of the iceberg that we see, underneath is hopelessness, neglect, being disrespected, sad, overwhelmed. And so men don't, and this is being very general, but a lot of men generally don't say, I'm feeling really overwhelmed. They'll just get angry. And so we can, this is where we come to that point about radicalization. A lot of that anger is being disrespected, is feeling hopeless, is feeling a sense of, I have nothing. And hopelessness is kryptonite um, for suicidal ideation. You know, we, we want people to feel that there is something there that can help them. And that could even just be talking to somebody about that sense of overwhelm. And often um, people that haven't got a lot of mental health literacy don't realise that that anger is actually underlying other negative emotions that they're not giving themselves permission to feel. And so this is what makes me sad. And this is what gives me a great deal of empathy towards people um, because we don't want people feeling that they don't have permission to talk about these things. This is our biggest problem. Um, men are scared that other men are going to judge them. And so if we can change the way we talk, particularly blokes, because 75% of suicides are men, if we can start having conversations at the pub, you know, just saying, oh, you know, I'm really overwhelmed. I don't know. I just feel, you know, that everything is getting really hard at the moment. That opens up other men to have that conversation. And that's what makes me sad. Women do it. And the arguments have been that men were the hunters and we were the gatherers, we were the nurturers, you know, so we got Barbie dolls, they got Tonka trucks, you know, it's, it's, yeah. it's from the cradle, you know, mm. that sense that women can talk about their insides to their girlfriends without that fear of judgment. And I'd love, and there's no reason why men can't have those conversations too, because they're human as well. Yeah. And they, they need them just as much as women do. And be lovely it'd be lovely if that could change yeah and I think it's not necessarily on the men to just bring things up all of a sudden because if that's not in the inherent nature of the average dude to do then we can't just expect them to magically want to all of a sudden but it's almost about us reading people better as well maybe and seeing that someone might be really stressed out who's close to you, a, a male in your circle, or even a, a, a woman who puts up a, a front who doesn't have those um, natural tendencies to share things, which a lot of modern-day women um, have yeah. stopped doing as well for sheer, like, I don't want to look Fair like I'm judgment. weak at work, yeah, you know, because yeah. you know, we're dealing with that whole glass ceiling thing and yada, yada. But, um, like, just noticing it in a friend or a colleague and saying, today seems really stressful for you. You okay? Do you want to, do you want to have a coffee and go for a walk or something? And just letting people know, like almost planting the seed that the door's open. Um, Cause when you've offered an open door, people are more, maybe not that day, but maybe starting to think, oh, wow, that would be a good person to speak to if I was finally ready to chat. Yeah. And um, one of my heroes, Brené Brown talks about, you know, the courage to be vulnerable. Yeah. And um, it is, it is scary um, and you can. I, I have 
um, been with mates and I've said something that's been quite personal and I haven't necessarily got a response that I was looking for and it does, you know, make you feel a bit squishy is my technical term, but um, it's still that it's still courageous and it's actually not, it's not weakness, you know, and that's my big, you know, thing is weakness um, is saying nothing, Mm. you know, um, silence is easier a lot of the time. So, you know, be brave and, you know, be in the arena and let people see who you are and also be aware that, you know, some people don't often, you know, appreciate or, you know, understand you and that's okay. Mm. You know, you don't need everybody to agree with your point of view. You know, you just need to do you. Yeah. And do it passionately. Yeah. And I think if we're talking about family functions, really reflecting on who the couple of people are that are your super safe I can be myself people that day that you gravitate towards when things get a bit iffy yes Mm. or go for a walk yeah you know just um you know take a breather like the big thing is um and also setting boundaries you know um I'm not prepared to be there from nine till seven (laughs) You know, I, I will get Well, I, that's why I loved your um, volunteering idea because yeah. you could technically then just pop in Come as soon lunch. as, yeah, yeah. yeah exactly, yeah. or for the afternoon tea part of the day. Yeah. Absolutely. And mm. that's, you know, it's setting limits and I think it's it's very important that we do. Um, for, if, for me, for example, my sleep is still, as Alex knows, she's known me since I was what, eight <laughs> years old or something. My sleep yeah. is my thing. um so I actually now have you know the advantages of technology I now have my calls and everything silenced from 8 30 till 6 30 every day um and it's automatic and it's important to me because I also need everybody to understand that's I'm out um you know I need to recharge I need my you know time with my family and I need my sleep and I'm a better person for it you know, I'm not grumpy and blaming everybody and feeling overwhelmed and put upon. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm taking you've some set control. a personal boundary. Yes. Yeah. And it's very empowering to do that and to and to let everybody know. You know, just FYI, um, that's what's happening now with mm-hmm. me because I am tired. We're all. I don't know about you, Al, but I'm tired. Oh, you know, my I, goodness. Yeah. And I mm. definitely, you know, this this silly season I feel like has been on steroids. As soon as the lockdown ended, I did. I was. I got such a fright. I thought it would be a slow transition back, and it mm. was zero to one hundred within twenty four hours. And I was not prepared at all for how busy and stressed I got so quickly. I. Mm. I was underprepared. Yeah, it's been interesting, hasn't it? Because I, I think because of all of the physical disruption in our little family's life with all the house moves, yes, I physically had nothing in the tank. And yes. when I, when I say nothing, I mean You're not exaggerating, not <laughs> exaggerating, and not ashamed to say it. Yeah. And so, you know, people's Christmas party invites and all this kind of stuff popped into Facebook events, invites and notifications and group texts and WhatsApps. And uh, I did the year six graduation. I did a date night with my husband last night and I've got dinner with my sister this tonight and one lunch with a girlfriend next week. That's it. That is all I have done because 
I knew that if I tried to um, take Make petrol out of an empty tank, yeah. for want of a better metaphor, that that would be an absolute disaster for my entire being in recovery. Absolutely. Yeah, Absolutely. Um, and so it's really interesting that you said that because I know a lot of friends got caught in that trap of it's exciting and then it's lovely and you want to hug people and how amazing. Um, and and then like, oh, actually that hasn't been my energy level for nearly two years now. Yes. Uh, and, you know, bodies don't just switch on and off. They no, warm they up and they cool down. And we need to be really conscious of where our energy is at, I think, almost doing a little stock take every day. Absolutely. Was that a bit too much yesterday? Felt really, you know, exhausted after that walk and instead I usually feel energised by walks and maybe I'll just pare back a couple of things. You know, yeah, I've definitely found myself out of sheer necessity needing to stock take very rigorously right now. <laughs> yeah. And see, I, I'm, as you know, you know me, I have decided to just run the gauntlet. Yeah. And <laughs> I am suffering for it now. Yeah. But at the same time, I get my energy from people. Yeah, I'm one do. of those mm. massive, I, I do require people. Um, so and I require percolation in a very <laughs> private space until things bubble up and I've got the energy to do stuff. So yeah. having lockdown and a whole family living together for was like, that was energy draining rather than building for me in a lot of ways. Um, yeah. And I love my family. We actually all get along really well. So yeah. it's not even about the people. It's no. just actually about needing to be alone. For yes. Me. Yeah. Yes. Interesting. And, and I love that we're talking about this because this is two old mates who yeah. are chalk and cheese on yeah. that front, right? Yeah. And um, and I think that hopefully it just sends the message out there of again, you do you. You said it just before. Absolutely. No one's rule book but your own, and actually proactively designing what that looks like and and feeling like you're in control and putting things in place to do that. Super and I important. will say, I will say, honestly, I don't have, my sister has it, a disease to please. Mm. Um, and so it's it's a lot easier for me to put boundaries in place than for some people. Um, my, my, my only thing is, um, which I, I do often say to people that I have got that, um, you know, anxiety around disappointing people, um, is in three years' time, are you going to look back and go, <laughs> this mattered? Yeah. You know, um, and your well-being is your priority. I mean, that's that's the biggest message I want out of this whole conversation. Your well-being is your responsibility, mm. nobody else's. So you must look after your brain because it won't look after you if you don't look after it. And so when things get difficult, if you have an empty tank and you did that, pleasing other people, trying to keep other people from getting overwhelmed and you're overwhelmed it's it's literally so common people do this all the time it's that it's the reason why you're to put the oxygen on your mask before you put it on your child's you know you have to have self-preservation and you do not want to look back three years down the track and just say my choices have led me to this absolute feeling of hopelessness and overwhelm and now I'm mentally ill um and that's really the piece that I'm talking about when we talk about mental illness is one thing, um, but my real passion is the prevention space. And it is easy 
to keep ourselves as well as we can. I kind of liken it to sunscreen and a hat. You know, when we talk about prevention, it's literally sunscreen and a hat. I'm not subscribing for one moment that if you do exercise and you eat right and you do gratitude practice, you're not going to get sick. I'm not saying that at all. What I'm saying is it's giving you some tools for when things do go wrong, that you have some, which is a dreadful word, resilience. But what I mean by resilience is Why do you keep tough. saying it's a dreadful word? I oh, want to unpack just that. People, people use resilience. It's just been bandied it's, about. And it's and it's, it's like? like it's a toughen up. It's yeah, like okay. it's a, you know, re, I, they call resilient people the ones that manage, you know, stressful situations. But what I'm talking about is resilience is a belief that I can do hard things. Yeah, got it. And today's hard. Mm. I can do today because I can do hard things. Yeah. And I actually, as silly as this is, I when I am going through difficulties, which we all do, mm. I actually look in the mirror in that every morning when I'm going through it and say to my, you can do hard things. Yeah. It's like that awesome new book by Mel Robbins, The High Five Habit, where in the yeah, mirror, yeah. in the mirror, <laughs> in the morning, you give love yourself, yourself a high five. I love yeah. myself. I've got this. Um, you know, and a lot of Aussies, I can just hear the Australian, oh, that's so American, you know, know. but <laughs> honestly, we could learn a lot from our American brothers and sisters of the way that lifting yourself up and backing yourself is a priority in their culture. And I genuinely believe we would have a lot more happy Australians if we got on with doing that part of it. I think it's, I know, we can all it, learn the best from each other's cultures. And I think that's 100%. a great one. And, mm. and, you know, smile until you mean it. Mm. You know, like you can... You know, it's sitting around, but I sort of use the likeness as well, you know, saying to your children while you're sitting in front of the Netflix eating Cheetos to go and have a run and eat an apple. Mm. You have to be showing your kids how they can manage stress. Mm. And, and, and that is really important that we, you know, show them by our example that we can have bad days, we can have overwhelm, um, but saying, you know, watching them, you know, see that you have that overwhelm, you might even lose your temper and then it all goes away, you know, mm. because you've managed it, the situation's resolved itself, you know, yeah. and it's the same with arguments. And I think stepping our kids through the why is super important, not just hoping that they know why because they've observed but a lot of kids don't get the inference piece until they're a bit older. And so to say, so you know how I was really stressed this morning? Well, I thought about what was going to make me feel better. And I thought, I know going for a walk by the oceans, my number one. So I'm going to do that. And um, having, and you heard me have a chat to Pip on the phone. Uh, you know, she's one of my good friends. And so we had a good laugh and now I'm feeling really good. And that is, you know, I thought about what would help and I did it. And then that helps your kids go, oh, I don't have to just feel like this and think this is it. I can actually now start the control part where I take responsibility and do things that I know help me feel better. Yeah. Mm. And, and, and again, I don't want anybody listening to this feeling like, you know, we're not talking about people that are already experiencing yes, depression. very important. Um, or anxiety. Uh, this is talking about a lot of us, are definitely not at our best right now. Um, a lot of us are feeling that anxiety of what is coming next and it's just, 
we are in uncertain times and to acknowledge that we are all feeling and again this new variant we are feeling a little bit uncertain and I I was surprised with how uncertain I felt once again until I made a choice and this is purely me it's got nothing to do with any advocation for anything I'm done personally I'm done I'm going to still wear my masks I'm still going to practice social distancing but I'm not cancelling anything and other people are handling it all differently and we're all doing ourselves you know you do you as I said but that is really important to me um and so I'm just I've given it a lot of consideration um and I've decided that I'm not going to watch the news I'm not going to worry about I'm just going to be careful like I've always been and live my life but that's not easy for everybody some people are much more anxious than others and acknowledging that and that's the big piece around Christmas time you know we're there getting everybody together everyone thinks it's all going to be so wonderful and that expectation may not yes Oh, hello, the Hollywood movies. They've ruined it for us, don't they? I really like that a few of the Christmas movies over the last few years have told quite different stories and there's been a lot there's been a lot more grit, you know, the, the kid who's lost their family, their parent, and they're doing their first Christmas without them and or, you know, parents just got divorced and, like, because that's real life. You know, Christmas isn't always fun and tulips as you said, running through fields of tulips it's not you know you might have just lost your dad or whatever like there's all sorts of things that make it a tough t- any kind of celebratory day a tough time and in people that don't have family mm. you know christmas really sucks you know yeah. um and so if you are aware of there's people you know in your life that you know might be at a loose end, you know, checking in, you know, invite them to your place. You know, if you're having Christmas at your place, that's the glory of hosting. You mm. can invite whoever you want. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> it's, um, you know, it's it's that kindness piece. Again, I've actually, I don't know whether you've ever watched it, Al, but I've been watching Call the Midwife. No, not yet. It's on my list. It's yes. actually lovely telly. Mm. It's it's set in on the east end of London in the 50s and 60s mm. and they are incredibly kind, community-minded, giving people and mm. it's really it, it's it's lovely TV rather mm. than, you know, watching Die Hard, you know? <laughs> <laughs> Although I did watch National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation for a good laugh. (laughs) I introduced my son to it. He thought it was hilarious. But, yeah, Yeah. I know what you mean. And I think think that's why Ted Lasso was so popular this year. So good. We just need a bit of goodness, a bit of kindness. There's a reason we're all gravitating towards that regardless of what we're siding with or doing or deciding about other things. It's a human need, isn't it, that kindness? And also to be kind to yourself more importantly than anybody else. You know, Mm. someone I heard this and I'm so bummed, I can't remember who said it, but it's the best line. Um, Would you ever speak to your best friend the way you speak to yourself? Oh, I I said that to my son just last week. He was having some really tough issues on the tennis court and key moments in matches. It was, you could see he was starting to tell himself and sometimes even verbalised it out loud that, and it was just heartbreaking. You suck. You can't play this game. And I was like, oh, oh my gosh. Poor little lammy. It was horrible. And I just asked him, I said, if Tom was watching your match, one of his besties, 
Um, what would he say to you when he saw you were having a tough time out there? What kind of words do you think he'd use? And he said, oh, like he probably wouldn't say anything because boys don't talk much when it's I was like, well, that's actually very, very observant. Tragically true. (laughs) (laughs) But if he were to use some words to encourage his best friend, what would he say, do you think? And he had a think and he said, I think he'd say, you can do this, mate. I know you can. And then he'd just be really quiet. And then I'd go and try my best. And it was just the sweetest moment because he's taken that And then we've done some interesting psychological mental toughness things for specific to tennis players like urge surfing and, you know, you feel the negative emotion and you want to hit your racket on the ground, but you surf the urge instead and move through it. Nothing different to what we've been talking about today. And, um, uh, And now he's having a more positive experience and it's changing. And I think... That is so key. I know it's a bit of a tangent off um, holiday lunches, but it really is about that key line of how would your best friend speak to you? If they would speak to you differently to the way you're speaking to yourself, then 10, like you probably actually just speaking to yourself really badly. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. And don't do that. Mm. What does it serve? Mm, It certainly doesn't serve you nothing and and if you find yourself doing it we all do it you know negative bias is real um by negative bias for those of you that aren't aware of the term it's our brains have been wired to think about negative things Mm. um so if you have 10 interactions in a day for example nine of which are you know positive meaningful and the 10th is someone telling you that you're no good that's the one that you'll ruminate about (laughs) yeah Um, And that's negative bias. We've all got it. And so this is something to be aware of is being in tune with your thoughts, being in tune with your emotions, being in tune with your, you know, if you've noticed that your hands are clasped, you know, Mm. okay, I'm really stressed. Okay, I need some grounding. I need to focus on what I can smell, what I can taste, what I can touch, what I can feel and breathe. You know, and that then builds, again, that resilience word, that knowing that I am in tune, I do, I am aware of when I am getting that overwhelm and I know what to do. In tune and and in charge, winning T-shirts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm. Um, And so I I feel it's, it's a wonderful thing to, I do feel very powerful. I do feel that I can do hard things. I know I can because Mm. I keep doing them and I know that I'm going to get through them. And my reactions, I used to have the shortest wick of anybody I knew. And now I don't, Mm. I can still lose my temper. Don't, let's not go nuts here. But, you know, (laughs) I I, even like I I lost my phone and normally I'd be, you know, carrying on, you know, where is it? And I was like, I've lost my phone. Where could it be? You know, And I just retraced my steps because the thing is when we get anxious, it's a physical response. The blood leaves our brain to go to our muscles because it's ready. Prefrontal cortex and then you can't find anything. Exactly. So when you just go, that's really annoying, I've lost my phone. Where did I have it last? Rather than, oh, my God, I've lost my phone. Mm. It's a very, your brain works differently. And that's why, you know, my poor darling son gets um, very anxious around exams. Um, And so I said, your brain stops working. So that's why. You can't think. Mm. Um, the blood's left your brain to go to your muscles, ready to run or defend yourself. So it's a physical response from our ancient brain 
when we would perceive a threat as something to physically hurt us. Yeah. It's fascinating. It's, it's just fascinating. Not- and once you know that the design is to actually keep us safe. Exactly. I feel like that's when you can circuit breaker it into a modern times, more relevant, appropriate response. Yeah. And I, I'm very, you know, we're making such progress. I mean, when we were at school, you know, we had a one girl in year 12 that had um, a panic attack and she was left to it. Mm. I've apologised since. Um, but, you know, we've come so far. You know, yeah. I, I, the only thing is well, I'm noticing now is the pendulum swung a little bit too far the other way where kids are now using anxiety like a catchword. Mm. Um, where we've never heard of it. Yeah, um, we're so- seeing that in uh, hospitality as well, where um, uh, when someone has to work late or when they might be put on a different bar um, and it's a bit of a change of plan, uh, we're seeing people taking mental health days. Yeah, right. um, not able to pivot. Yeah, interesting. Which I find really interesting. I think we really need to be conscious of like the 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 resilience part, the personal responsibility, the how does an individual have control when things start to go a bit awry or change or are unexpected as we also bring in a full allowance of the flood of human emotions on all on, on the whole spectrum and let people feel comfortable expressing themselves. Because I think once we've done that and that bit, then maybe yeah. we actually start to... Um, Because we all know the why. I mean, it was well-meaning parents that, you know, took over. And it's been so interesting talking to teachers. Um, There are children in kindergarten that aren't teachable um, because their parents have told them that you don't have to do what you don't want to do. Because they don't like little Johnny being upset. So... And, it, and ironically, this is what was so cool with me, with my psychologist, because I see someone regularly for the record and she's marvellous. Um, it's not their emotions that parents are upset about. It's how that negative emotion their child is exhibiting makes them feel. Mm. Oh. Mic drop. <laughs> but that's exactly it because we were a bit free range in the 70s and 80s. You know, our parents didn't know where we were. And we were better for it, ironically. Um, But what we're doing now is, you know, a lot of parents don't want their kids to be uncomfortable. They don't want their kids to feel anxious. They don't want their kids to feel disappointment. When ironically, life is filled with litanies of disappointments. Um, And what we need to be doing rather than having them avoid experiencing negative emotions is to embrace them is yeah. to and embrace the them. tools that help you move through exactly. them. You know, this mm. is part of being human. You know, we're not happy all the time. That's just not this game that life is. Um, but, you know, you're feeling really rubbish today. That's 100% valid. You know, what are we going to do tomorrow? What are we going to unpack? What have we learned? And move through it, you know, because we all know as adults now the hard stuff, is where we build our characters and where we value our strengths and where we find ourselves developing and maturing. And this is why it's unrealistic to expect our 10-year-olds to have our 45-year-old brain. You know, they haven't experienced the things we've experienced. It is completely unfair to put that on a kid. 
you know, what we need to be doing is not shielding them, is opening them, making them experience vulnerability in a safe way with us behind them to support them so that they know they can do hard things. And that's where that resilience piece has been missing for a lot of millennials. It doesn't help millennials, you know, knowing why it's happened. What we need to be doing now, which hasn't, I haven't done a lot of research about, there doesn't seem to be a lot out there, is to how to help people that haven't been given that lesson in disappointment and how to manage that and how to manage change and how to manage uncertainty. And that's, I'm not sure how we fix that other than changing it um, going forward for the younger generations. because I do feel like they've been cheated a lot. I have a friend of mine who's a lecturer at um, New South University has parents ringing her, parents saying, oh, my kid hasn't done their assignment. It's my fault. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) I didn't even know what my assignments were. (laughs) All the elaborate excuses I used a couple of times to explain why mine was going to be late. Yeah. And I'm sounding judgy and I don't mean to be. That's what I don't don't think you are. I don't think you are. I think it is actually about raising an awareness that um, we're missing a piece now in this beautiful new word where people are allowed to find things difficult and share about that and um, but we're missing the piece where we build grit into that, I think, uh, that we can all still do better there as parents. I know I can. Yeah. Uh, we all can. And, yeah. you know, there, there is a, a, there's a limit. I mean, it's also um, I am instinctually a tough parent. So it's, it's, it's easy for me. And a lot of parents really do find my husband is one of them finds it really hard saying no to his kids he he really does like he has difficulty with that um I don't I don't know why you know I I am I am quite a you know I am the bad cop all the time and you know that's you know kind of where it sits with us um but it's not having it that it's not I don't want to say you're doing it all wrong you know what I mean is have a think about giving your kid the opportunity to fail to really fail to have something that they want badly taken away from them or they miss out on them and you don't interfere you let them have that moment and you say to them that this is really hard I mm. know this is hard we're going to get through this you are going to get through this um and to not try to get involved and mm. it's and it's sort of counterintuitive because we want to fix it because and this is where Ruth my amazing psychologist because I was doing this all the time because I she said it's it's not their emotion it's the emotion that that emotion that they're exhibiting makes you feel yeah and it was wow. like this moment of oh my God, that is exactly it. It makes me very anxious when my kids are upset. Mm-hmm. Very anxious. It didn't happen to our parents' generation, I feel. Oh. And my, I, I look, I don't know. That's just my personal experience. They, 
They if, really... if my mum was anxious, she did a bloody good job of <laughs> hiding it. <laughs> if you're listening, mum. <laughs> yes. And Jude, yes, if you're listening. They did not yes. look worried in the slightest about any of the challenges we experienced as teenagers. Yeah, okay. <laughs> but I think looking back, smart. Mm. You know, you, you, we mustn't make the kids the centre of the, our family. We need to be the rule setters. We need to be the boundary people. We need to be, I need time. This can't all be about you all the time because the world's not. You're actually not setting your kid up for a good, happy adulthood by prioritising them all the time because they're not going to be. And so this is where this, you know, difficulty lies. I had this gorgeous 19-year-old in Singleton said my mum was the snowplow parent. You know, any opportunity she had to fix something for me, she would fix it. And I sailed through high school with her, you know. By my side, yeah. Yeah. Mm. She took work off and I did my HSC. She had all the meals I loved. She was doing all the, you know, she was very, very supportive. And then I went to um, college and all of my constructs, all of my apparatus, all those scaffolds were gone. And she said, I had a mental breakdown. I actually developed an anxiety disorder and I had depression. And she was very open about talking about it. And it really resonated with me because that well-meaning mum, you know, never envisaged this outcome, you know. And this is the this is the big thing that we're talking about now is I've been talking to a lot of psychologists, eating disorders, have spiked dramatically with young girls during COVID. It's something they can control. Um, And so we need to be really kind and not judgy about it and not saying, oh, my God, just eat something or just toughen up or, you know, everyone's going through COVID or whatever it might be. We need to be really trying to understand where people are coming from and with kindness and compassion and empathy in that conversation, not wanting to fix them, not saying there is nothing that you're telling me that sounds like you've got anything to worry about. Mm. All of that judgment space has to end. But what I'm picking up as well, it's not just judgment, but you're also saying by doing everything and coming and rescuing and saving every situation before it even needs saving, we completely disempower the individual as well. And they have no agency. Mm. And so they then have a mindset, I need somebody else to solve my problems for me. So the resilience lesson was lost. That uh, that grit lesson, was there could have been a marvellous opportunity for them to build that grit and resilience muscle has been taken away from them accidentally because a parent may feel, and often parents do feel like my kid can't do this on their own, but let's see if they can. You know, it's like the parents that used to hover around the playgrounds, and I never did because, again, I'm one of those tough mums that comes naturally to me. But, you know, they were the ones that used to try and prevent the kid from falling. But if we let the kid fall, they learn, oh, if I do that, I fall. It's the basic stuff, you know, right up to, you know, if they're not colouring in the lines, you know, if they, and it's like cooking as disastrous and oh, as stressful goodness. as yep. that can be. Yeah. You're never going to be awesome if you never try, you mm. know, and so that argument of, you know, I'll just do it because it's easier and it's quicker, 100% true, but they're never going to learn. Yeah. 
So we've got to give them the chance to fail. We've got to give them the chance to go, well, that frittata tastes terrible. Why does it taste terrible? <laughs> and that's so glad you wasted 10 of my organic eggs. <laughs> yeah. Excellent. Yeah. <laughs> and you've got to let them figure it out for themselves. Mm. Um, and one thing I can recommend really worked well for us is um, Annabelle, my middle daughter, um, she now, we pay her, she cooks three nights a week. Brilliant. And so she chooses and she cooks Mm. and it's marvellous for me and it's great for her and it's really, she's really enjoying it and it's giving her that sense of accomplishment and that sense that uh, she's in year 12 now, this, well, as of next year, um, I'm moving out soon and I'm going to need to learn how to cook anyway Um, Mm. and I I want it to be healthy. I don't want to be getting Uber Eats. Yeah. Um, And so you can do lots of things to give your... (laughs) Never mind the rude shock that she's not going to be able to afford that. (laughs) I know. Yeah. (laughs) It's a terrible fright. She's she's just got a a job working up the street at the Juniper Cafe. Shout out to Juniper, the best coffee in Paddington, in my opinion. Um, But she's, you know, doing that three days a week in the holidays and she's doing it on Saturday mornings. Um, in school time um, and it's been so great you know and that notion of gosh you know that was really hard work but I'm loving having my own money you know we we went shopping yesterday and she said I'm getting them and you can't stop me I said no I can't it's your money (laughs) but they're hideous (laughs) (laughs) and that's exactly I said, isn't yeah. it empowering though? You know, to have this is what money is all it is, is choices. You know, to be able to choose what you do and where you go and what you can purchase. Money has no power other than that, you know, um, but you need to be responsible with it because choices are taken away from you if you don't have it. Um, but yeah, that money management thing is another thing that parents could really help their kids by, you know, getting them to invest in shares and, you know, talking about, you know, getting a, you know, a financial plan together of putting aside 20% of what they're earning into another account that they don't touch. And those habits like exercise, you know, yeah. you can form, you know, a lifetime of good habits doing things like that. You can, and we can play such a positive role. And that builds a happy, healthy human, or certainly, as you said, you can't control every outcome, but no. it definitely gives you the tools for a, a, a more increased chance of, of that. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Wow. So we started with Christmas lunch and climate <laughs> denial, and we ended with children and resilience. I loved this conversation. How practical and useful and far-ranging. Thanks, Pip. Oh, it's such a pleasure. You know, I could talk under wet cement about this stuff (laughs) all day. (laughs) And I think we talked a lot about adults and, um, and pressure and resilience during the holidays. I think kids as well. I posted something on my Insta the other day from a past show guest, Rod Soper, who's an education specialist, um, about you know, if your kid's having a tantrum on Christmas Day, it's not because they want to be mean to you. It's not, be, you know, and to really give kids space to manage the hecticness um, of those few days, the stimulation of presents and random old people kissing their cheek that they might not have wanted that to happen and all the things. Um, I just wanted to do a little reminder that this applies. Everything we talked about today is 100% applicable to our little people and teenagers as well. And to be mindful that your mood has a massive impact on your kid's mood. Mm. If you're calm, 
they will be calmer. Yeah, you're um, their flight attendant, aren't you? Yes. Yeah, they're looking to you yes. for the signs. Yes. Yeah. And, you know, it, it can be embarrassing when your kid has a throwdown in front of everybody and Auntie Mavis says, you know, <laughs> get your kid under control. Yeah. I, I have, you know, I have been there. I do, I do understand that can be very stressful, but your stress in that moment will exacerbate the situation. So the calmer you are with somebody that is behaving badly that's little or even big for that matter, mm. <laughs> um, how you react in that moment. We do, we do talk about de-escalating a situation in mental health first aid. And so if we want this situation to be prolonged, we will argue with the person or we'll raise our voice. Mm. Um, the lower, and my granny was awesome at this. She spoke at a whisper, but when she spoke, everybody stopped talking. You don't need to yell to be the most powerful voice in the room. And I used to love that she had this soft little voice. But as soon as she started talking, the whole table was silent. So, you know, that's that notion that the biggest voice carries the most weight, not true. Um, and the, the, the softer we speak to somebody that is in overwhelm, <laughs> The better and take and you know get them out of the room you know if you've got if you've got you know somebody that's getting really annoyed say why don't we go for a walk or you know let's just you know try and de-escalate because you can suddenly when you do calm down feel embarrassed you know that oh my god I really overreacted then so we just want to let them and you know let them talk about it give them permission you know it's really tough in there make a bit of a joke about it you know ideally let's not you know, get pissed in the backyard while we do it. You know, ideally, <laughs> yeah. you know, we want to be able to have a nice conversation, have a laugh, go for a walk rather than um, encouraging people to numb it up with alcohol or drugs. <laughs> well, we've come right back to where we started. Yes, I figured so we should that... do a circle. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Uh, have a beautiful holiday season, Pip. Thank you so much for joining me for the last show of the year. Uh, I think it was perfect. So much to think about. And, uh, and take into these busy days ahead and then the calm days that are coming hopefully for some of us hopefully. as well to recover yes. and, uh, and reflect and yes. get ready for a beautiful new year. Yes, and, and do take time to rest. Rest is very important, particularly at the moment. Um, we are all a bit tired. I, I don't know. I haven't met anybody in my travels and I've been talking to a lot of people in the last month or so. We're all tired. It's been a long long silly season and sillier and longer than normal um and and do be aware of you know how you're feeling and if you are finding yourself do cancel you won't look back and regret it you know you don't need to be at all things even though you might be feeling a bit of FOMO FOMO is better than having complete overwhelm so just um take care of your brains and your bodies and um you know be around people that make you feel good whenever you can and, um, you know, be aware of who those toxic people are in your life. And as long as you can identify them, they lose a lot of their power. So just be mindful of that as well. Love it. Perfect last words. Thanks, Pip. It's a pleasure. See you, Al. Well, there you have it. Thank you so much for tuning in today. I hope you enjoyed today's interview. And I want to remind you that you can come join me on social, on Instagram, at lowtoxlife, or one word, or my personal Instagram uh, at underscore Alex with two X's, Stuart, S-T-U-A-R-T. On Facebook, you can find us at Lotox Life uh, and, of course, lotoxlife.com. And if you want additional support and community around leading a Lotox Life, I can't recommend a better thing to do than to come join us at the Lotox 
Club for just $49 Australian per year, which is about $29.30 US, about €27 and about £25, you get a stack of club member perks and the benefit of a beautiful private Facebook community. So check out the website, lowtoxlife.com, hit the Explore tab and you'll see Join the Lotox Club as your very first option there. I hope to see you in there. If not, I will see you in our wider community sometime soon. Thanks again for tuning in.